What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. My name is Paul Verzi. You guys are listening to episode number 62. Today is Friday, May 18th. Beautiful day outside, and uh, I got a great podcast for you. Um, I'm, you know, only a day late, I know, but I'm trying to ease back, ease back into getting to Thursdays because I was so uh, late last time because of the, um, I guess, uploading problems that I had. So don't worry, don't worry, we'll get there, we'll get back to Thursdays, that's why I'm doing this one on Friday. Next week we should be uh, back to Thursdays, but you guys listen to them anytime you want, so it really doesn't fucking matter, it's not like it's a... Uh, TV scheduled show, so, um, you know what, this is what it is, so fuck off if you don't like it, just kidding, okay, um, I want to start the show, unfortunately, on a really sad note, um, and you know what, actually, this gentleman wouldn't want it to be a sad note, so we're going to do it more of a, of a celebratory thing here, and, um, celebrate and talk about the life of Ron Schock, which, um, unfortunately, uh, Ron had passed away, I guess it was, uh, yesterday, I believe, I don't know if it was yesterday or the night before that, but Ron Schock has passed away, and, um, he was very, very sick, he was in a lot of pain, uh, wasn't a good situation at all, and, um, I was, again, just really, really, uh, sad to hear that, um, you know, it's been a tough, it's just tough when you hear that. Um, also, uh, Artie Fuqua, comedian in New York City, his 19-year-old son had passed away and um, in a car accident. And I just want to say uh, thoughts and prayers to him and his family. Uh, he actually, a few days uh, before that, maybe a week before that, he was congratulating me on having a daughter. And then I heard that horrible news about his son. So uh, thoughts and prayers uh, to you, man, and, and that's just absolutely horrible, and, and I hope, uh, you know, people close to you and your loved ones, you know, uh, get you through that, it's terrible, um, and, and, and again, then I went back, and I saw Ron Shock had passed away, the, uh, the Ron Shock was, was more of just, um, you know, kind of hearing that he was in hospice and knowing that maybe it was coming, but, you know, you still never, you know, know exactly when, and you always have a hope in the back of your mind that, hey, maybe, um, I don't know, maybe modern medicine or something could happen where, hey, did you hear about so-and-so, you know, those stories don't really come too often, hey, did you hear about so-and-so, he was doing really bad, but uh, there's a medicine now, and things are working, and I think he might pull through, I mean, that, that shit doesn't happen enough, but um, Ron Schock was truly, truly um, one of the greatest storytellers of ever, Really, and and it's it's amazing to listen to his stories because uh, he was the one comedian, and 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 I've talked about Ron on the show because I worked with him out in Las Vegas um, in November at Brad Garrett's room, and um, we just had a really really cool week, special moments from from an older comedian to a younger one. Ron was on uh, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and Jay Leno which he talked about on stage, but um, he started his stand-up career, I believe he was 40 years old when he started, he got off to a really late start, and just was so amazing with his stories, he actually came up with uh, Bill Hicks, they were really good friends, and um, he was a type of guy where you hear he's a great storyteller, and then you want to see that guy tell a story, I mean, they wrote articles about him saying America's greatest storyteller, so I'm working with him, and I'm like, shit, man, I gotta listen to this guy tell a story, 
And I, I, I think I told this on the podcast before, but uh, if you're a new listener or you haven't heard this, um, you know, you, this will be the first time for you. But I, I just want to, you know, totally uh, reiterate what this guy was when he would tell a story. And, and I went into the showroom and I'm sitting in the back booth by myself in Vegas and I'm just watching him on stage. And I'm not kidding. What I thought was 10 minutes was 45 minutes. I couldn't believe it. I thought he was telling like this one quick story and by the time it was over, time had lapsed. It was almost like a fucking magic trick. It was unbelievable. And um, his sweetheart of a wife, Rhonda, came to a show and, and she was there for him and, and doing all this stuff till the, to the very end. And, um, you know, she had said something really nice to me and I actually felt this from Ron, but when we worked together... Um, he has a very distinct laugh, you know, he's a guy from Texas, he's got an a-, a funny kind of accent and a distinct laugh, he's got a smile, you know, when you watched him smile, he had this like little kid's type of, you know, s- smile, and he would laugh at his, his some of the stuff that he would say like a little kid, and um, I just remember being on stage, and he walked in the room, and he, I would just hear him laughing at me, and like walk up, and then I think he just stayed to the left of the stage the whole set I had, and he was laughing and laughing, and his wife said something like, man, he never does that, you know, um, he really liked you, he usually doesn't even know the guy who opens for him's name, he only looks at them for five minutes, you know, he wanted to invite me over for dinner, it never worked out, but he said, we'd like to have you for dinner, and then when we did television together, on the Fox Morning Show in Vegas, he, um, you know, we just had a great time, and he was telling me these great stories, and he said, would you mind if I took you for a cup of coffee, or would you mind getting a cup of coffee with me, and, and you know, we, we went to get coffee, and he was telling me these amazing stories about him and Bill Hicks, and him and Rodney Dangerfield, and, and all kinds of just amazing things, and I was just really taken back by it, and, um, you know, he was going to do my podcast, and he didn't, and he never mentioned it, and something tells me he might have not been feeling well, um, but he was he was a sweetheart of a guy, he was a great storyteller, so I would urge everybody out there, um, and I know he wouldn't want to look at this as a sad thing, he would, you know, wants to look at it more of, you know, a celebration of his life, so um, the best thing I could say to do is go to YouTube, type in comedian Ron Shock. Listen to his stories. Listen to his jokes. The way he even says something, you could, you'll totally get what it's like to just be into it, you know, with him. Um, it's funny. I, I almost now wish that I did smoke with him, but we were performing together, and that was about 10 minutes before showtime, and he says, I'm going to go out and have a smoke, and he was smoking a joint, and he asked me if I wanted some, and I said, no, you know, because I don't really smoke weed or anything, especially when I'm working. Um, I don't like to do anything when I'm working. Uh, going on stage and you know weed gets me tired and like a zombie so I don't think my show would have went well so I <laughs> I took the professional route and didn't do it looking back I almost should have done it but um a great great comedian a great man one of the best storytellers ever and um, somebody that I would urge everybody listening to this to just check out Ron Shock when you're sitting home and you just want to get a good laugh or just listen to how somebody can like really just tell a story the right way. Um, definitely check him out. My my uh, you know my thoughts, my prayers, and my condolences to him and his family, his wife Rhonda. I don't know if she's going to listen to this. Uh, if she is, I you know uh, the love that you showed, the love that you showed him that was so obviously visible and all of the posts and uh, updates you put on Facebook it was coming through the screen on the computer so um you know 
Uh, you're an angel. He talked about you unbelievably in the short time that I was with him when he talked about you, how great you were. And um, I wish you all the best through this hard, hard time. So uh, celebrate Ron Shot, guys. Check out his stuff on YouTube. Um, okay. Um, now uh, we'll get into some things that I wanted to talk about for uh, this episode here, episode 62. Uh, first of all, um, I know I mentioned I was in Syracuse when I did the last one, but I didn't get to talk about the last few shows. They were great, worked out new stuff. And I want to thank, um, for, for a lot of people that, that uh, were talking to me about being on, uh, you know, listening to my podcast or also uh, listening to any other podcasts which are really getting popular right now. Um, it seems like people are just getting tired of radio and they want to put comedians' podcasts on. But I, I obviously I got a lot of, um, you know, just feedback from being on Bill Burr's Monday Morning Podcast. And it was so amazing that I was in Syracuse and um, a gentleman from London uh, who was there for his niece's graduation heard me plug my Syracuse shows on Burr's podcast and they came out um, and that was great. And then um, on Mother's Day... Um, this dude, uh, a shout out to, uh, Steph, uh, his name is Steph, I know that, and I know he drives a red Mercedes, uh, he was a cool dude, man, and, um, he heard me on Burr's podcast, he brought six people out on Mother's Day to see me, um, just from doing Bill's show, you know, drawing some people in there, which is amazing, so thank you guys, and I know that both of you guys said that you were listening, or gonna listen to the Verzi effect, so I hope I added on some, uh, some new fans there, but I do, do really appreciate it, and the end of the shows went, uh, great, I had a great time working with Joe DeVito. We had great conversations about comedy and just doing honest and real jokes and stuff that you're proud of. Um, and we had a good time. So thanks to everybody who came out uh, at Syracuse. Now, I mentioned something crazy happened, something awesome happened to me. And I said, um, I'm not going to tell you guys here. You got to listen to the Verzi Effect podcast episode to find out what it is. It will be worth it. This is really one of the coolest things that's happened to me. It's something I'm, I'm actually proud of and not even because of why somebody would think I would be proud of it for another reason. I'll explain. It'll all make sense in a second. So let me I'll, – I'll do the story now and um, tell you guys what happened and then we'll get into the Levity Show, which was also last night, which was fucking awesome. So, um, so here goes. Um, Last night was Levity Thursday. Wednesday night, I got a text message from the Booker Stand Up New York. And he said, hey man, do you want to come down tonight and do a 1045 spot? As I'm you know, going through it, can I do it, everything, he texts me back real quick. Sorry, spot just got filled, my bad. I text him back, no problem dude, I'm doing two shows there on Sunday anyway, thanks anyway. All of a sudden, he texts back, how about 11.25 tonight? Something opened up. So I know at 11.25, the kids are going to be sleeping. Um, my wife will be, you know, if, you know, the only thing my wife is really going to have to do is nurse the baby, and she'd have to do that anyway. So I knew that it wasn't really going to be a problem. And I was like, you know what, let me work. I'm working on some new material, especially since I'm headlining Levity tomorrow. So let me go down and do it. Uh, you know, I was saying it makes sense. So I say, yeah, I'll be there. So I go down, stand up New York, they're letting out the first show, see some comedians that I know, talk to them, shoot the shit, and I'm waiting for the second show to start, my my set time is uh, 11.25, I'm supposed to go on stage. So I'm standing there, room's half full, and um, you know, I'm talking to some comedians waiting, and as I'm waiting in the hallway, uh, you know, the front area, uh, 
by where you pay to get your tickets and go into the showroom, somebody taps me on the arm and goes, hey, Paul. And uh, I look over, and uh, it's a dude standing there. He's got a leather jacket and a hat on. And he goes, oh, I'm here to see you. And the first thing that came to my mind was, um, you know, I've recently done a bunch of theaters. Um, I, you know, my podcast is, is kind of growing. I'm doing more, you know, more and more spots. Maybe this is just a, a fan of mine. Um, maybe, uh, since I was on Bill Burr's podcast and so many people had heard me, maybe he, you know, heard me on that, or maybe, you know, maybe he's just a, a newer comedian that wanted to see me. So I shake his hand and I say, thank you. And, um, and then he goes, no, I'm actually, um, I'm an agent in town from Los Angeles from, I don't want to give the name of the agency here, but, uh, it's, it's a big one. And he goes, uh, yeah, I'm an agent with, uh, so-and-so, um, uh, out in the Los Angeles office and I'm actually here to see you. Um, he goes, um, I think you're incredible and we're looking at you or something along those lines. Like, I think you're incredible, man. And, uh, we, you know, I'm here to see you. And I actually saw you at Carnegie Hall. And uh, it just worked out because we're in town from Los Angeles and uh, we looked you up and sure enough we saw that you were on the late show and it worked out and we're here to watch you. So, uh, And then he hits me on the arm and he goes, knock it out tonight, all right? And then he just goes back in the showroom. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck just happened, man? Like that never happened to me before. Like I never, I never had an agent come. I, I've done shows where industry was there looking at a bunch of comedians, but I've never had... An agent, you know, who just, he sought me out, man, and, and then found out where I was and went there. And, you know, the club was giving him, like, some drinks, and he was sitting in the back waiting. And I find out, oh, you're going on last. You're closing the show. Uh, you're supposed to go on 1125, but we're a little backed up. It's not going to be till like, 1140. So now this guy's st- sitting back there, and the room's getting tired, and it's getting long. And I'm just like, holy shit. So I said to the... Uh, the host, uh, host uh, Leah Bonima, uh, Bonima, she was hosting, and um, you know she was real cool, and I told her about it, and she was like, "All right, man, I don't want to fuck your name up." Like she was really just sweetheart about it, and I'm like, "Fuck though, man, I don't know, cause I wanted to do all this new material." Like I literally went into the city thinking I was gonna do a 10, 12 minute regular spot, you know, get my money and and leave, and now I'm like got this agent there who can f- change my life financially. And help me, and and looking at me, and saying all these nice things about me, and now I'm like the room's dying. I'm like shit. Do I adjust my set? And then I was like, you know, and and I said something to Leah before she went up to host. She goes, no, they know they're they're getting tired. But I mean, they're getting tired. Like the second to last comedian or the third to last comedian really wasn't getting any laughs. There were girls in the front row texting in the front row on their cell phone. And two of them were pissed off because Damon Wayans Jr. was supposed to come in. Because I guess he was working stuff out. And he didn't come in. So they're just texting and being rude. All these comedians are addressing it. The room's getting tired. The guy who goes third to last doesn't get many laughs. Then they they drop the check spot. The check spot is when everybody's bill comes. They never pay attention to that comic. I mean, no matter what you do. But, you know, comics do it to get stage time. And now I'm going next, and I'm going, this room is fucking dead. And then I just go, you know what? I'm just going to go up there and do what I do. I'm going to bring him back. Leah brings me back great. And um, and I go on stage, and I, I remember what I just, to get to get him back, or to get him into it, I said, you know, thank you. You know, she brought me up very strong. You ready for your headliner? This guy did this, and they were paying attention, and they were listening. 
And I said, listen, you just got to be honest and do what you do, man. And it was one of those things where I'm not going to lie. When he first came up to me and said that to me, I was like, man, this is fucking crazy. Like, you know, I went to the bathroom and I was like, I was shook for like five minutes. I was like, what? And then all of a sudden I was like, no, no, no. Just go back to what you're going to do. Do it. Nothing is going to change. Act like they're not here and that didn't happen and do what you were going to do anyway. Because they already like you. They're here for you. Um, you know, he saw me at Carnegie, knows what I'm capable of. So, so, but you know, for a second, you know, when that never happens, that shit that happens in a movie and now all of a sudden it's happening and I'm just like, shit, man. So I go up on stage and I said to them, I said, you know, are you guys, I remember I said something like, you guys have a little bit left. And I said, I feel like I'm going last in a gangbang. And, and they just started laughing and I just started acting like I, I recognized the moment, but I still had funny to give. And, um, I just, I'm not going to lie, I've, I've just started crushing the room, I started getting clap breaks, I started cl- crushing the room, I was being really honest, I was doing everything, um, and and here's what happened, which was pretty crazy, um, I'm, I'm like, doing, I'm doing 15 minutes, and right at about 13 minutes, they're enjoying it, they're laughing, I totally have the room, um, they get up, and they start to leave, and my last joke, which was about my, my newborn daughter, crushes right now like it's it's really crushing and I was kind of bummed because they weren't there for that but I realized that they were in town for something and it was already running really late and they were kind of watching and they it looked like they saw what they wanted to see and then they got up and they left and um, it was just an amazing moment and it was an amazing night because it was, you know, if you see something like that in a movie, so-and-so's in the crowd or, you know, and, and the guy told me and he said all that and then he was like, yeah, so knock it out tonight and he just hit me in the arm and um, and I did knock it out and it was pretty amazing and I'm going to wait and see what happens and, and whether, and what I said at the top of this story, which I will um, clear up is I'm more proud of it, not because if I get anything from this. Because, uh, you know, I don't plan this and, and I'm not, I don't mean this in any arrogant way, but I've talked to many comedians and they were saying, yeah, this is not the first time an agent's going to come up to you in a, in a club and say that. But I'm more proud of whether I get something from this or not or they want to work with me or not. I'm proud that I was able to, A, take a dead room and bring it back to life. But I guess more importantly, do that knowing what the circumstances were. You know, and it made me feel really good that I was able to just say, yeah, I don't care. So now, like, I know what it's like. I've, I've been on stage with big, huge celebrities in the crowd. Um, you know, big comedians. I've been on stage where big comedians were in the crowd. I've followed big comedians on stage. Um, but this was the first time that, like, an outside agent, you know, came in to see me. And uh, and I, I was able to do that, and it felt awesome. So, and thanks to, shout out to Leah Bonima, who hosted, um, and uh, really you know, like a pro brought me up to laughs and, and got him back up for me. And then I was able to sustain what I did. So, um, that was the story and, uh, I will keep you guys posted. If you guys, uh, start seeing me a lot more <laughs> really quickly, then you'll know. But no, I mean, it, it was just a really cool thing and, and it was really nice of him to stop in and say what he said anyway. So regardless of what happens, it was just a really cool moment. Um, and, uh, there it is. So if it wasn't worth it for you, sorry, I thought it was a really cool story and I thought it was a pretty cool thing to have happen when you're just going into the city for a regular spot night. Um, okay, now I will get into the uh, show that I headlined last night, uh, Levity Live. I cannot thank 
you guys enough, everybody who showed up. Um, this room was, the whole bottom was filled pretty much all the way to the back, just not the top level, but for a Thursday night, um, there was a ton of people in there. And uh, I thank you. I had a great time. It was a great show from top to bottom, hosted by uh, James Goff who you guys have heard on the podcast, he did a great job, then there was a guest spot um, from a funny uh, younger comedian, um, Chris Lamberth, who uh, I thought did a great job, and I think uh, his future looks really, really good, because he just says what he feels, man, he stays in the pocket and does it, and for a three-year comic, I didn't have that, Uh, matter of fact, I will try to get him on the podcast uh, at some point, and uh, it'll be, you know, talking about, you know, young comedians coming up and how they're doing it, as opposed to how other people did it, so um, he did a great job, Adrian Appalucci, man, what can I say, one of my favorites, one of the smartest writers, uh, absolutely crushed last night, and um, totally just raised the bar uh, again, love her, man, she's she's so fucking funny, she's great, she's been uh, on the podcast too, but she did a great job, um, then I went on stage, I did close to about, close to an hour, I think I did like 50 minutes or something, uh, close to that, and it was just a great, great time, and I was really happy that I was able to put, um, you know, as much new material out there as I did, such an unbelievable club, this comedy club to me, just knowing the owners, knowing the wait staff, first of all, they, they, there's a waitress assigned to you to make sure you're okay at all times. The food is incredible, like I've said before. The stage is insane. The sound system is insane. Um, just phenomenal. And it was a great night. And then I found out last night that I was, uh, you know, since I just had Sunday this weekend, not Friday and Saturday, um, I'm actually uh, going to be there now. Tonight, uh, actually, I'll do the plugs at the end, but I'll just say it now. Uh, tonight, I will be at... Um, Levity opening for John Witherspoon, John Witherspoon who played uh, Craig's father, Ice T's, I'm sorry, Ice Cube's father in Friday, and uh, you know, he was in Boomerang, you know, he was the guy who said, you got to coordinate, Uh, (laughs) he said, don't get pussy whipped, whip that pussy, bang, 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 that guy, um, which is hilarious, and I heard he's a really nice guy, so I'm, I'm going to be opening for him two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow, and then I'll be a stand-up New York on Sunday for two shows, I'll do those plugs again after, but, so, um, I don't even know, by the time this thing gets posted up, it'll tonight will be over, so, uh, I guess it'll be more for tomorrow's shows, but uh, Levity Live was great, thank you again, everybody who came out, my mother-in-law, all the, all the people that my mother-in-law came out with, people that I play basketball with on Monday nights came out, um, people that have heard me, you know, before, there was a, a couple of dudes there, who uh, said that they saw me there for the third time and they came back to see me. It was really, really nice. And um, just a bunch of other people. And it was great to talk to everybody there. I, I can't I can't stress enough how much I appreciate, you know, the fans and the support. And uh, as my um, supporters or fans, whatever you want to call it, grows and, and, and everything that I'm doing grows, it's all that shit that matters, those people that come out and uh, they, they see me doing something that they like. So thank you very much. Um, I, I truly appreciate it. Um, now, a couple of things I want to get in. I can't believe we're already, uh, 23 minutes in, but, um, and I was going to play a Ron, by the way, I was going to play a Ron shock joke on today's episode, but, um, I don't want to compromise anything with sound. His joke or his story deserves better than that. So I'm just want you guys to go to, to YouTube and, and look and just, you know, like I said, when you have free time, I was going to play something and I don't want anybody to think I'm being disrespectful by not doing that. But, um, it's just, I didn't want to, you know, especially the way the story is and everything. I don't really, 
have the proper equipment because I've played audio before and some people are like, oh, it sounds all right, but I know sometimes it could sound lower, so um, just check him out. Um, now, I want to get into sports because I need to say something. I need to get something off my chest in sports. And then um, I did not see a new movie, but I am going to see The Dictator because Sasha Baron Cohen is the only guy who could actually make me laugh out loud in my car while listening to a car commercial, a radio commercial in my car of his movie made me laugh out loud. I think the guy is hilarious. I think he's a genius. And um, I know people may think the movie's going to be stupid, but I got to see that. So I don't really have any new movie stuff because the last one that I talked about was um, The Avengers. Um, so I will hopefully be able to talk about The Dictator next week. Okay, sports. Let's get into it. I said something on Twitter and Facebook, and the next day Stephen A. Smith said something about it, and he nailed it, and it's what I said, and it's what everybody sees, and there has to be a reason for it. LeBron James does not want the basketball when the game counts, when the game matters. This is a huge, huge problem. It's a huge problem for the Miami Heat. Okay, It's a huge problem for basketball fans because to see a guy that great, that physically capable of doing anything, Okay, a six nine, six eight, ripped up monster who is that nimble and agile. He could shoot the ball. He could drive to the hole and get a bucket anytime you watch him. Okay? And then he's deferring the basketball at the end of the game to role players. Okay? He he if it, the the game the Knicks beat them in game five at the garden. Uh or game four at the garden when the Knicks didn't get swept. Who shot the last ball? Dwayne Wade did, not LeBron. This last game, or two games ago, he threw it to Battier in the corner. Battier didn't have a shot, throws it back to LeBron. LeBron could have drove to the hole, probably got fouled, didn't want to get fouled because he's probably afraid he's going to miss the foul shots because later in that fourth quarter, he missed two foul shots. I mean earlier, but it was still late in the fourth quarter. He missed two foul shots. His confidence is not there, and I think it's just totally getting, you know, it's just getting contagious. It's just, oh no, it's that time, and he just freezes up, and it's a problem, and it's sad to see, because the great ones want the ball. Carmelo Anthony for the Knicks, he wanted the ball. He wants the game. Give me the ball. That's it. I'm going to win or lose this thing. Give me the ball. You can't say I didn't take the shot. Michael Jordan, we don't even need to talk about that. Okay, that's like an insult to even bring it up. Kobe Bryant, it's an insult to bring up. Obviously, he wants the ball. It's his ball. You know, you give him the ball. It doesn't matter if he's double team. You want double team Kobe Bryant taking a shot over a guy who's single covered or fucking open on your team. Same thing with Michael Jordan. LeBron James drives the hole, gets fouled, okay, creates something. He's unstoppable, and he doesn't want the ball. And you know what? I don't like the Heat, and I, I hope they lose, but it is sad to see a guy not able to just snap out of this bullshit and do it. It's amazing. You know, and, and comedy fans and comedy, I mean comedy, Jesus. Uh, I was talking about comedy so much at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, sports fans and basketball fans, you know, NBA fans who have watched great players in the playoffs. This is what the NBA playoffs is about. You know, making big shots at the big moment. Kevin Durant is doing it. He's still young. He's real young. But he's doing it. He, you know, he wants the ball. LeBron James, man, I, I, I don't know if I don't. Th- I think if the Heat don't win it this year, I don't know if LeBron's ever going to win one. Because, and I think Oklahoma City is going to win, but I just I feel like Dwayne Wade's getting older. Um, I think the coach will be fired if they didn't do it this year, and I feel that LeBron is just this is getting so contagious with him that um, he's just gonna. I don't know. I don't know, but I something tells me if he really went back in time, he wouldn't have made the decision. 
Like if he had a glass ball, if he or if he had a time machine, he'd go back and change things. I really believe that. I think he knows that he made a big mistake and um you know, listen, they may still win. Who knows? I think that this is the only year they have a chance to win, but something tells me that they're not going to because I think if this guy is not going to step up and Chris Bosh is hurt, I think the Miami Heat are screwed. Um, and I love to watch the Miami. The two things I love to watch in basketball other than the Knicks win is Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers to lose. But at least when the Lakers are there, you know Kobe's going to be Kobe's going to make you do some shake your head and go, man, hey, what can you do? It's Kobe. But when LeBron does it, he does it for three quarters, three and a half quarters. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he wants to tiptoe out of the, you know, he wants to just tiptoe away from the camera, pan out, get get me out of here. Let's give it to Wade. Let's give it to Chalmers. Let's give it to Battier. I don't want it. Um, let's give it to Mike Miller. I'm telling you, the guy is afraid. And Stephen A. Smith said it. He goes, he doesn't want the ball. He's not built that way. It's not in him. Really good point that, um, really good point that a couple of people made about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is supposed to be a dickhead off of the court, okay? Not playing basketball. He's supposed to be kind of just a real kind of, you know, just kind of a dick. You saw what he did during his uh, Hall of Fame, you know, speech. Just shitting on people that he, like, beat, bringing people from high school that he shit on just to, like, mention what he did to them. He's just kind of like a jerky guy. And somebody goes, yeah, but you need to be that way in order to be as good as he is. LeBron James is actually a nice guy. And the point is, LeBron being a nice guy and not having that vicious, ferocious thing in him could probably maybe be hurting his game. You know, look, Danny Granger now. Danny Granger on the um, Indiana Pacers. Like, basically wants to fight this guy. He's elbowing him. He's pulling on him. He's doing all this. LeBron just looks right at the official, tosses him the ball, doesn't want any part of it. Charles Barkley said LeBron James is too nice. But what's crazy is LeBron James could get this all done. He could do it. He could win. He could do it. He could drive to the hole. He could get fouled. He's got you know, he's got the he's got the ability to make the foul shots. Is this is all a head thing. He is A-Rod. He is Alex Rodriguez. He's not Jeter, unfortunately. Kobe Bryant is Jeter. Dwayne Wade is Jeter. This guy, you know, it's like with A-Rod. A-Rod has two strikes. All he's thinking about is they're gonna boo me when this third strike comes. When Jeter has two strikes, all he's thinking about is this next pitch I'm going to hit. And I'm going to get a base hit. We're going to keep this game going. He doesn't, LeBron doesn't have that. Really sad to see. So I'm going to keep an eye on it. I hope he snaps out of it and and can really show people. But I've no, nobody has ever seen him do it yet. And he needs to do it in the big, big, big moment. He's done it with Cleveland. But, you know, it was almost like miraculous three-pointers with the like he which which goes to show he could even do it more but like now is the time to shine it's your time you went there you got to get these rings you have this supporting cast around you and you're not doing it so something's wrong so uh, that's what I wanted to say about sports uh Oklahoma City I like I said I'll be shocked if it goes uh, seven I'd be surprised if it even went six um I could see a sweep, but I think it's going to be them in five, maybe six. Go seven, I'd be absolutely shocked. Um, That is it. That is it for sports. Um, What else do we have here to talk about? Um, Unacceptable for the week will be something that I I hope you guys get a kick out of. And uh, I'll talk about some of the new jokes that I was doing for you guys because I'm going to have some YouTube clips up and a lot of new stuff because I haven't had new stuff out there. And uh, I'm going to have some new new clips for people to see, see what I'm doing, and um, 
some of the shit that I'm talking about on stage. But as you guys know, I'm, I'm a father for the second time with my daughter. And my daughter um, is just doing the nursing thing with my wife. Every two, every three hours. She cries. She eats. She's being really good. She's sleeping better. My son, on the other hand, who's going to be three this month, he is still just always fought sleep. Not like the best sleeper. Wakes up early. Has to be doing things. He's like my wife. Uh, hopefully my daughter's like me, and hopefully my you know my son just can get a little bit better. Um, but the other night I go, and this is how tired you can get when you have two children. Okay, um, I go up to take my son to to sleep, and when I take him to sleep, we usually read a book, or sometimes I'll take out my iPhone and we'll watch like a five minute clip of something that he likes just to wind down with the lights off. You know, and then we kind of talk to each other and we have like a nice conversation and we talk about, you know, stuff that we're going to do the next day. And it's this cool moment. You know, my wife does it sometimes. I do it sometimes. So with the shock of having two and just being so tired, you don't even know what to do with yourself. You get so tired, you don't even know you're tired. And I come upstairs and I take my son to bed. And next thing I know, he's waking me up. I fell asleep. (laughs) I fell asleep in his bed trying to put him to sleep. So I'm like laying next to him and we're talking. And next thing you know, my wife probably hears me like snoring on the monitor downstairs. And my son, I just, my son just nudges my arm and goes, Daddy, Daddy, wake up. That's how tired I've been. Um, I actually haven't told that story on stage, but I think I'm going to because it's fucking hilarious. I was just out cold trying to put my son to sleep. Um, and my my daughter, this is how insanely like... Um, scared of anything with my daughter, with men, with changing. I won't change. I haven't changed my daughter's diaper yet, which I was talking about on stage, and I couldn't believe how many people got such a kick out of it. I have not changed my daughter's diaper yet because I am completely freaked out and petrified of her vagina. I just don't want to look at it. It's just you know too innocent and new. For, I think for anybody to even look at, like I'm so freaked out about it. I haven't changed it. And like the crowd was going nuts when I said that. They were like, you know, and they related. And I didn't even know. I was just like, I'm afraid of it. I just don't know what to do. You know, I change my son's diaper. It's easy, you know. You take a wipe. You wipe them down real quick. You put another one. Like with the with my daughter, it's just, I don't even, I'm uncomfortable now talking about it. Um, but something funny happened the other day where I'm holding her. And I'm so nuts with like guys that are going to try to get near her. That as I'm holding her, we got this newborn pacifier, and I'm trying to put like the, you know, the the part of the pacifier, the nipple thing, whatever, the pacifier in her mouth, and she's like totally just pushing it away, like doesn't want it, fighting it, this little two-week-old fighting it, and in my mind, I was like, yeah, that's my girl, good for you, you you push that rubber dick away from your face, (laughs) get that shit out of there, that's my girl, I literally said that's my girl to myself by myself. Like whispered it. I'm like, yeah, that's my girl. Fuck that. You don't need that. And that's how nuts it is. Told that story on stage last night. And I had no idea it was going to go as good as it did. So um, I'm freaked out. I was supposed to. Today was supposed to be the day I changed her for the first time. And I didn't yet. Um, And I think that my wife is not annoyed yet. She's not like she's kind of still amused by that. I won't. But I know it's coming where she's going to be like, all right, dick, enough is enough. you got to change your daughter's diaper. And I'm just trying to stall that. Like I'm trying to hopefully that doesn't happen, you know, within the next week or so. But it, it's it's really true. I'm, I'm, I'm petrified of it. It's just I'm freaked out about it. I just want her to be 
I don't know. I just want her to be just away from everything for 35 years. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, no, it's great though, man. It's it's amazing, and having the have seeing her do the things she's doing and how alert she's being and taking her to the doctor. But the second one is different. I've said to people, does the second one get easier? And they're like, no. Yes, it does. It gets easier. Because when my son would go to the doctor and get a shot, we would be freaked out. When my daughter got a shot, I was kind of like, all right, dude, watch this. Get the get the phone. She's going to freak out right now. She's going to cry. Not like laughing at it, but it, it's it's just, it, you know, it's different the second one. The second one, like, yeah, throwing her to each other. Hey, come here. You want her? Yeah, just grab a pillow. You know. With uh, with the first one, you're walking around, you're so nervous and everything. With the second one, it's just, and that's probably why the second second kids are a little more easygoing, or just like a little free and and less worried about shit. So we're trying to, you know, trying to, and but we weren't crazy with Lucas either, my son. Um, but uh, that's that's what's going on in the house. So we're uh, doing good, busy, working, two kids. My wife bounced back from this thing, man. She's uh. Already went up in the attic today, which means the thing about my wife is you know she's getting better when the list of shit to do just grows. And this is how funny and just impatient my wife is with doing things. She was 24 hours removed from having her stomach cut into to have a baby taken out of her. And like a day and a half later, she was like, feeling up, sitting up, and she goes, all right, can you give me those thank you cards? And that's when I knew it was going to start. I wanted to be like, we don't have to fucking thank these people yet, okay? Just get better, get stronger, and she's already in go mode. So she's uh, she's doing great. Everybody's doing great. Thanks again for your uh, well wishes and stuff. And um, there were some pictures on Facebook. I took some of them down. Um, and that's pretty much it, guys. This has been a short one. I hope... I hope you enjoyed it. I got some plugs now that I will talk about, and then um, we'll be done. I'm going to uh, work on getting some some guests. I'm going to actually be getting a newer, even better microphone. This one is slipping a little bit, um, but I'm going to get a new microphone. I'm going to have some other guests, and um, the downloads are coming more and more. The comments are coming more and more. Please do so, and please spread the word about the Verzi Effect podcast. Um, okay. Tonight and tomorrow, like I said, Levity Live, 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock tonight, 7 o'clock and 9 o'clock tomorrow. Sunday, I will be on the 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock show in New York City at Stand Up New York, uh, Stand Up New York on 78th and Broadway. Okay, that is Stand Up New York, 78th and Broadway, 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock uh, this Sunday night in New York City. And... Um, Tonight and tomorrow, Levity Live opening for John Witherspoon. You got to coordinate. Okay. Um, June 6th through 10th, I will be headlining at the River Center Comedy Club in extremely hot and humid San Antonio, Texas, right there by the Riverwalk. I am hoping that I could get to a San Antonio Spurs game during this time. I would love to do that. I'm going to try to do that. I don't know if I can uh, with scheduling. But if there is like a like a day or an afternoon game out there, because times are different, I might be able to swing it. If I can, I will. But I will be headlining there from the uh, Wednesday the 6th to Sunday the 10th. Okay? 
And I may have something I'm going to be selling out there. I just don't know yet. All right. Um, and then after that, I will be with the legendary Dom Irera on June 14th through 17th. I'm sorry. I just want to get these dates right. Making sure I booked the flights the right way because I already booked the flights. That would suck if I showed up to Atlanta when I was supposed to be in San Antonio. No. The 6th through 10th is San Antonio. The 14th through 17th, I will be featuring, middling, opening for the legendary Dom Herrera at the Punchline in Atlanta, Georgia. Great club, older club, a lot of character. Everybody's been in there. Awesome, legendary stage. I think it's the same stage that they've had since like 82. Guys like Pryor and all that on that stage. So it's a great club. Um, and uh, those are the plugs right now. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Paul Verzi, that's V-I-R-Z-I, okay, and what else? Um, we shot some footage yesterday, people, of the documentary. We shot some footage that looks good, and we have um, some really good stuff in the can. This movie's coming, so um, thank you again for your support. Keep checking back to see what's going on. If uh, more dates come in, which they are, which they did, I got the new Vegas date at Brad Garrett's. I'll be talking about that in the next one. I'll be going out to Vegas uh, again and um, some other stuff. So thank you for listening. This has been episode number 62 of the Verzi Effect podcast. Uh, keep it up, man. Keep up the comments and keep showing up, and I'll do everything I can to uh, keep you aboard. Okay? Hope you enjoyed it, and until next week, I will see you or talk to you. Goodbye.